0: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: What's up, Open Floor Globe? I'm your host, Michael the Pod Pina, and I'm joined on the other line by my good friend, Sports Illustrated senior writer Chris Herring. Uh, Chris, the weekend is almost here. How are you doing, my man?
5: Pretty good. Pretty good, Michael. How are you?
4: I'm wonderful. Uh, it's very rainy in in Brooklyn. Um, you're back in Chicago, right? And I'm sure it's just it's 70 and sunny there. Is that is that the weather report? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. It's, we, I mean, we're fortunate.
5: We had like 48 straight hours of snow here in Chicago, and um, somehow that makes us happy because I think we were supposed to get like five days in a row of snow. Um, as it stands, I still think we 're in the middle of like six days in a row where the the temperature doesn't get above twenty five so yeah, uh, good times
4: good times indeed um uh and you know the winter's almost over we're almost through this thing, even though it doesn 't feel that way at all. um Chris, on today 's show uh we'll be opening up the mailbag to talk some hawks and a bunch of other stuff, but first, a quick reminder. To keep your questions coming, our wonderful listeners, um, openfloormail at gmail.com. That's openfloormail at gmail.com. Okay, Chris, so last night, uh, Thursday night, the NBA revealed its all-star reserves for the Eastern and Western Conference, and honestly, I don't know if it's because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Zion Williamson and Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and, and someone else I'm sure I'm forgetting has been injured or missing for whatever strange reason. Um, but the coaches mostly got these teams right, and I don't think there are any super egregious snubs. But that said, I also don't think either of us 100% agree with the selections so I want to break down um both of these teams with you by conference and then you know talk about some names who didn't make it that probably should have talk about some potential injury replacements obviously Kevin Duran is not going to be able to play he was voted as an, in as a starter um Draymond Green said last night on uh, on TNT that he will not play and that he will get a um that someone will replace him on the on the Western Conference side uh, so first, just just give me give me your biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference, Chris. I'm I'm curious to hear that.
5: Chris Middleton, my friend.
4: For uh, <laughs> Chris Middleton, have have
5: have love for him. We, we we share a similar name, although he his parents decided to go with the K, which a little puzzling, but we'll let it slide. Um, <laughs> you know, I I just he's had like an okay season, and it's weird because I think for me. I know I have a little bit of a preconceived notion um, about the idea that like you, you want to see guys that are having like a career year for me, it's like MVPs. I kind of feel that way about, and it shouldn't be rated like based on that all-star games certainly shouldn't like, there's a reason that most improved is most improved, Mm -hmm. but uh, Chris Middleton hasn't really improved this season. And, and really to me, I think what's stranger to me about a couple of these picks. If one guy's having a better year than his teammate, the guy that is not having the better year shouldn't make the team. Um, and I think yes. you could ha- there's like, there's enough of an argument to be made with one of the other situations. I think, you know, which one I'm talking about, but I don't think there is one here. Like I think holiday has just been more consistent um, and a little bit more integral to like what they're doing and more important mm-hmm. to what they're doing. than Middleton has been uh, Middleton this is like a a pretty mid year by Middleton standards. If we're just keeping it a buck, I I think holiday has been a lot better than he has uh, you know? So I I was a little bit surprised and let's mention too, if we talk about the coaches getting this right, I looked at where the media and the fans had Chris Middleton ranked Mm -hmm. and it was like 16th and 14th or something like that among front court people. Uh, He was nowhere near where fans and media had him, you know. Normally, we're complaining about the fans. Normally, the fans are complaining about us. We got it right. Uh, fans got it right. Coaches, I don't know what what they were doing, but yeah, this is not really like a, a year to really push for Chris Middleton. He would not have even been my next front court pick if we're if we're keeping it a buck.
4: No, he it it it, it wasn't stunning to me because he's a previous time. I think he's made two All Star teams in his two? career. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, he wasn't even like, uh, he wouldn't have even been a snub for me. He wouldn't have been, he wasn't really an honorable mention. I think when we went over right. the teams in the past, the past couple of weeks, like he just wasn't a serious candidate. Like the, the bucks are not at this juggernaut that deserves to all stars. If they did get to all stars, I agree with you 100% and all the numbers really back this up, the advanced ones at least, that Drew Holiday has had a better season and is more integral and important to Milwaukee's success than Chris Middleton is. Um, I was looking at uh, estimated plus minus, which is just this catch-all metric that, you know, it isn't the the be-all end-all, but uh, Chris Middleton ranks uh, 64th in estimated plus minus this season. Uh, Drew Holiday ranks 16th. And I have this other stat that I was looking up that really kind of clarified Drew Holliday's place. And Drew Holiday's defense also has just been completely otherworldly right. once again. Um, exactly. like So we're not even talking about that yet. But when Drew Holiday is on the floor without Giannis or Chris Middleton, Milwaukee's offensive rating this season has been 112.6, which mm. is uh, top five. That would be a top five team. It's about Phoenix Suns level. Um, when Middleton is on the floor, and the minutes are about the same here. It's about 300 minutes for both. Not the greatest sample size, but not the smallest one either. When Middleton is on the floor without Giannis or Drew, Milwaukee's offensive rating is 100.7. And Woo. that is t- that, that is two points below the last place ranked Oklahoma City Thunder in Woo. offensive efficiency. So, Michael brought uh, that heat. I, I did so I you know wow. I'm not expecting the coaches to really dig into the the data like that but they also yeah. uh you know just it's a simple on off a simple even if you just compare them statistically like I know they have the exact same true shooting I think and uh you know they're they're comparable in scoring and all that but like I don't know Drew's just been better it's just like kind of obvious and, and I, I you know my question from that is just like why Middleton do you have any idea why coaches gravitated towards Chris Middleton here is it because of he you know the title the shots he made in the playoffs last year uh, uh his up uh, uh assist his assist rate is up that's the one thing that's up because he's running more pick and roll because Giannis is setting more screens because Giannis is playing the five more because Brooke Lopez has been out but like what, what other theories do you have here about why he was selected?
5: No, I mean, the only thing I could think of is, you know, there was a conversation last year. Shout out to Kendrick Perkins, obviously, in a kind of an ironic sort of way. Um, there was a whole Batman-Robin conversation last year, and, and, and Middleton did carry them at times during the postseason, and he has games where he carries them towards the end of games now. Mm-hmm. So he's still doing stuff in the clutch at times. And even when they don't win, bringing them back in certain moments like that, where the team still has to be placed on his back offensively at times in a way that you're normally not going to ask that of drew holiday, or you don't expect him to be able to do that. But with that comes, you know, bouts of inefficiency and, and frankly, like, you know, I, I I just don't know that it matters that much. Like given that drew is a, as a much better defensive player, um, when their scoring is about the same, so i i I had a tough time with that one, like I said, I know that they theoretically play different positions, so it was weird because to me that swap is easy to make um you know and, but also maybe technically, depending on how you look at it, the guys that you have to ask the question about on the most theoretical level are actually Darius Garland and Ben Vleet as far as. They play the same position as Drew, so one of them took his spot, not Chris. But to me, the Bucks didn't deserve three guys. I think they needed two, mm-hmm. and I felt like Drew was clearly the second guy, and I just thought it was weird that Middleton was the guy. I thought that it was weird that the coaches were that far off in their voting from what the fans and the media had.
4: That's not normal. Like when – we zoom a lot of us this, this comparison is Middleton versus Drew, which makes sense because they're teammates and one you get to see them kind of interact on a on a game in game out basis. Um, but even just like Chris Middleton versus uh Pascal Siakam or right. Chris Middleton versus uh Jalen Brown or
5: Miles Bridges?
4: I was about to say that was the third name I was gonna say. Um yeah who like Miles Bridges, I think leads, does he lead the NBA in minutes or he's way up there? He just plays a ton and his team, the Hornets didn't get an all-star and that's, um, you know, sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles, but they've been pretty good all season and, and consistently on offense at least. Um, so I just, I don't know, this was just a, this was a curious one and I don't, I don't really understand it, but you know, I don't want to bag too hard on Chris Middleton. He's a fine player. He's an Olympian. He's a champion. He's, you know, it just he shouldn't have been an all-star this year. It's pretty—that's pretty much how I feel about it. Um, okay, so let's go real quick to the West. Did Were there any surprises for you? I should say before you answer, uh, we answered all these questions on SI.com and a roundtable, so everyone go check that out. But were, did you have any surprises Um On the Western side with the reserves? Because I was pretty, I guess I was pretty okay with everything. But what did you think?
5: Yeah, I I mean, I think I said this in our roundtable online. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that there was someone I really, really expected to be on the list that wasn't. That was actually the same group I basically had as far as the guys I would have picked. Um, Certainly interested to see what will happen given that Draymond said that he can't play. Um, because it opens up a spot for someone. And I think it raises the same question of what we were just talking about. a minute ago to go with Middleton and whether or not you can really point the finger at, at Chris, given that positionally, he doesn't play the same position technically is, is true. Um, so I'm curious to see Draymond is a front court guy, but I'm curious you know, to see whether they give that spot to a backcourt player in the West. Cause I feel like there's one guy that's kind of more deserving than the others that I'd like to see, but I don't know that it'll play out like that. I don't know how, how specifically they, they kind of hold to those titles and those roles. Name, names, Chris, name, names. I mean, yeah, I I think DeJounte Murray, uh, you know, I know it's one of your favorite players in the league to watch. He's been fantastic this year. He's been solid around, you know, all around Mm -hmm. Um, as far as just, you know, even aside from the scoring and, and that stuff, uh, rebounds, you know, runs their offense, has always been a good defender, um, just is not playing for a great team. But, you know, but the Spurs have had runs here and there. Um, and and <laughs> I thought Draymond put it best yesterday. He was like, yeah, they're not good, but I thought they'd be even less good than they are. Um, yeah, same, you know. same. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he kind of put it that way, which I thought was interesting. Um, I do like his perspective. By the way, I like Draymond's perspective on inside the NBA just because let's keep it a buck. We know Shaq and Barkley and are more or less admitting that they don't watch basketball. So <laughs> to have someone in the league that is not only watching, but like seeing these guys up close, like Draymond is a guy who more or less, I, I still think I can't remember who he said yesterday, but I was like, mm, they're not an all-star. You don't have to pretend that they are, but um, he, he, I feel like he views the game through a lens where, he knows when certain guys are playing well, and he knows when they're playing better than they normally have. And so I like the fact that he kind of recognized off the bat that DeJounte Murray was one of those people.
4: I I just want to say that I enjoy Draymond on television. I enjoy his perspective. He's super smart. Um, The one thing that I pick up on because I cover the league and I don't I don't think too many people who watch maybe know this stuff but like he transparently supports everyone who is a part of clutch and that is just very funny to me DeJounte Murray is with clutch DeJounte Murray was also deserving so I understood why he said DeJounte Murray um Miles Bridges also someone he was uh he was caping for a little bit uh also they have that that uh Michigan State connection um that's true that's your favorite school right Chris I can't recall the Spartans. Uh-huh. Hey, exactly.
5: we got Harbaugh back though, so I'm not even mad. Like, and I wasn't. I refused to like even retweet or really worry about stuff on Twitter. Somebody asked me how I was doing yesterday during the day. I was like, aside from the Harbaugh stuff that's swirling, like I'm great. Uh, and then Harbaugh came back. He was never. He's never gonna leave. So I'm I'm in a good mood, and I don't even care about that Michigan State joke you just
4: told. <laughs> so, uh, so. DeJounte, I think we're in agreement that DeJounte should be uh, Draymond's replacement. First of all, shouldn't, don't you, maybe this isn't the greatest idea, but do you think the player who's injured should get to pick who replaces them? Based on what you
5: just said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Based on the fact that we're going to have clutch out here just running the league even more, no, I'm I'm good on that. Uh, Or, you know, God forbid that, you know, we go back to player coaching someday and then mm-hmm. we have you know the coaches that make these horrible picks in the east and well let me not go that hard cuz like you said middleton you want to you want to stand for middleton generally because you feel like he's overlooked but then mm-hmm. when he's like actually not overlooked and he makes a team that really he doesn't probably deserve to be on relative to the other guys you know god forbid you have a, a player that's making a decision like a coach is where somebody that really is not even on the radar makes the team so i'm i'm good without them being able to pick their replacements because nah that someone will make a dumb
4: decision and then we'll just flame them forever and it won't be <laughs> worth it <laughs> well uh rohan and i discussed this earlier in the week but um the real problem here is andrew wiggins like starting and that's what bombs someone like DeJante off the team and Dejounte is having a better season than andrew wiggins i really hope People understand that and no one I mean, I don't want to bag on Andrew Wiggins. Can too I ask something, again. though? Sure. How does how does because I've seen people saying that.
5: How does if you think Wiggins deserved a spot, which, you know, I think it's at least fair to argue that he deserved. You don't think he deserves a spot. OK, no, because I that think was he's an all star. OK, so that was going to be my question is like, unless you don't think that. If you feel like he was going to make the team anyway, what difference does it make fundamentally? But thats I guess that's the question is like, you don't think he would have been one. And I, to me, it would have been interesting to see where the coaches came down on him because I could imagine. I actually don't know. I think Wiggins would have been a fascinating case. I feel like coaches probably weren't as low on Wiggins as the media was. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't think that they would be as low on him as the fans were. And I do think that he probably kind of shines and glows in a way. I mean, the numbers show it um, that he he's been really effective there. Um, Seven so really fun, good year. But, No, yeah. So really that, that year, part is team. fine. I I was only going to ask how does him starting differ from the idea of him making the team as a reserve. But if you're saying he wouldn't have been on your team at all, that answers it.
4: Yeah, I mean, it was basically like I'm thinking about it like. Um, uh, Carl Towns or Rudy Gobert should have started in the front court. And then I'm like, when they were, when they were announcing the names, I was like, there was one spot left. And I was thinking to myself like, okay, cat hasn't been called yet. And it's like, if cat isn't an all-star, then what are we, what are we doing here? Clearly he's an all-star. But then I was like, but DeJounte you know, I really want to see DeJounte in the game. Um, and I was just, I, so my head just went back to, okay, if Cat was a starter, then, you know, uh, then, and Wiggins was not a starter, then DeJounte could have, uh, uh, made the team and that would have made more sense to me, but that's neither here nor he'll there. I he'll, he'll end
5: up making it unless Adam Silver gets really tunnel vision and decides that he's only going to pick a front court guy.
4: So I have, a my fear is, and I tweeted this last night, um, Anthony Davis is lingering and oh, I hope s- not. say what you anthony want about- <laughs> putting bubble wrap bro
5: bubble wrap that man we do not need to see you playing extracurriculars bubble wrap that man and roll him back out when the season starts back up we don't need to see any lakers being injured i don't want to hear lakers fans using injuries as an excuse if they are on the cusp of missing the playoffs and because anthony davis played in an all-star game he didn't really deserve to be in anyway don't want don't want
4: yeah he's he's been really ridiculous like back to the superhuman at least statistically and defensively i would say um the superhuman anthony davis expectation um since he came back his last five games or the first game back was not great but against the nets but um but the last four 31 points 12 boards 27 points Uh, 30 and 15, 30 and 17. So he's, you know, I could see, you know, he's plays for the Lakers, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's just, I, I, that would not stun me. Let's just say if Anthony Davis was the selection instead of DeJounte. Um, and it kind of, it's just funny to me, like Anthony Davis, not being an all-star. It's like this guy two years ago was maybe the best player on the planet. And I know that he's only played in 32 games, and that's the, the that's the central reason I would say that he's not in the All Star conversation. But like, it's just weird to me. I, like I don't I don't really have anything like profound to say about that. But it's just it's 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 funny to me that he's yeah, just not an All Star.
5: But I mean, keep in mind the conversation. So I'll put it this way: you have arguments for other. You you just mentioned Jalen Brown. You got Tatum. Um. These are guys that essentially what they they play for a team with a better record than the Lakers have. Um, the Lakers are right around the same record that the Knicks have. I think they might be a game or two better. Um, so I fundamentally don't understand other than sheer popularity. I mean, he and Bron, yes. have both, <laughs> I mean, like, so Anthony Davis has been hurt. And for most of the season, he has not looked himself. We do have very high standards for him. That's what I'm saying. Like that probably should not be as large a part of the conversation, but also, man, like does LeBron even need to be playing? Like, obviously he can make that decision for himself, but Mm -hmm. did you see that tweet? I I, I very rarely retweet the people that are doctors and the people that are probably like the medical community that tweet pictures or videos. Like I'm diagnosing this as a such and such because like you you shouldn't ever look at pictures and videos and make that decision. Um, Mm -hmm. You need to be like on the court with the player, and be able to touch and feel and to figure out like if something's out of place. Um, But LeBron jumped before he took that, before he made that dunk a couple of nights ago. And the doctor that I retweeted was pointing out that there was like this massive golf ball in the back of the man's knee, basically like behind the guy's knee. And it like bounced and moved from one side of his leg to the other as he jumped for a dunk. And people are like, is this what LeBron is playing through? It was like, it's it's on my timeline somewhere. You'd have to find it between all the retweets of people that have been I'm not doing that my book. I'm I don't expect anyone's <laughs> doing that. I, I'm not doing it either to, to pull up the tweet again, but the, it was disgusting. And it's like, he's got this fluid sack behind his knee. And it's just like, people are like, Jesus, like LeBron's playing through this. Um, and that's kind of my point is like, I don't want to see any of the Lakers playing you know, if, if they've been kind of just banged up, it's like rest. And I bet the Lakers probably want that too. But, um, you know, Anthony Davis, part of the reason he's not played up to his standards, he has not been healthy. And and that's fine to admit that. Um, I would rather see someone else play this year. Um, but you're right. It is strange to not potentially not see him. Um, but, you know, like, frankly, if the league wants to spread the love around with regards to names and big names, you, you've got plenty of star power for this game pump up the other markets. Like maybe we would have gotten a John Moran or someone like that in the game a year earlier, if it mm-hmm. was because of stuff like this, like that's okay. Um, you know, Devin Booker didn't make the all-star. Was it last year? The first time he made it or um, whenever it was uh, it, like, it's kind of crazy. I feel like we're getting to a point now where a lot of these star players are like a year late or two years late in making the game. And we're going to have more people like that this year. Shea Gilgis has been really fun. Uh, you know, and he can make an argument that he's deserving, Ingram has been really good. So I don't know. I'm completely fine with Murray getting the nod. I'd like him to get the nod. Anthony Davis, get healthy like or stay healthy. If you are healthy enough to be playing well now, stay that way. I don't need you to play in a game that doesn't mean anything.
4: Yeah, Booker was an all-star two years ago, but I think that was an injury replacement. So right. That's, yeah. Like he'd never not. been
5: picked for the game itself. And, and that's, again, like that speaks to the talent. I would love if the league just opened up one or two more all-star spots like to me that i don't know maybe it's fun to have the conversation about snubs and it's more prestigious that way but um whatever like I, I just think it's it should be completely fine to let some of the DIs from smaller markets that are really showing out giving them a chance when particularly when other guys are banged up i also think about someone like jimmy butler a few mm-hmm. years ago who did play in the all-star game had well, no business up. doing it
4: well didn't he show up and not play is that the year you're talking about?
5: He showed up one year and didn't play. But then there was also, I'm, I'm almost positive there was one year where he did. I thought he did play and then was like banged up. I don't know. Even if it wasn't him, like I feel like John Wall maybe did that. And someone Kemba else did that. did that. Kemba did Kemba that. did it and messed himself up. And I feel like maybe it was the year where Butler showed up and didn't play. Or maybe he did play the first half, but not the second But then, like, it was that Timberwolves year where then he Mm -hmm. ended up missing a long stretch of time. And it was like, you really didn't have business playing either because you'd missed all this time before the Mm All-Star break when you could have rested your body. And then it kills, like, it almost killed the Timberwolves making. They went from, like, the three or the four seed to almost missing the playoffs entirely until Jimmy came back Mm -hmm. after having some sort of surgery. So I don't know. I'm a big proponent of just, like, let the healthiest guys that are young – that, you know, if they're not playing for anything else, then let them play because at least you're not running the risk of these other guys getting hurt and taking their team out of contention. Um, Not that the Lakers are in contention, but you know what I mean?
2: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we just in case you forgot I'm Tori deal. I'm a six time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades.
1: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Grown Up Stuff.
4: So, I I mean, I think we covered quote-unquote snubs in the West um, with that Andrew Wiggins, DeJounte Murray conversation but let's let's go quick to the east we touched on drew holiday um does anyone else qualify as a snub to you in the eastern conference yes um the biggest snub (laughs) of all
5: this is not even a question and i'm I'm actually kind of upset about this one uh jared allen man like jared allen yes yes you should not be the second best player at your position in your conference and not making the team i'm sorry um And that to me was actually, again, like the Middleton thing, not to completely harp on the guy um, because it makes the most sense mentally to say that Drew deserved that spot more than him. Um, Jared Allen deserved that spot more than both of them. If we're keeping it a buck now, I know that he's not competing against guards for that spot, but it's just kind of ridiculous to me that he's not getting that spot. And uh, if Middleton's the reason he doesn't get it again, again, Jared Allen I think ranked fourth in front court voting among the fans and fifth in media voting or vice versa but it was like it was mm-hmm. very clear um that's where I don't understand how Middleton makes this game because I'm just like I don't that's just the coach is really messing it up and there's no other way to put that and it's a little bit disappointing like I know the caps did get an all-star um and you know when I said that it was that he was snubbed, And then I felt like he was the more deserving one from his team. People were instantly like, you don't watch Cavs games like, you know, Darius Garland's been more important. I was like, I'm not even arguing that. I'm not. Uh, And I know that the Cavs have looked rough, you know, when when Garland hasn't been there. Uh, I know that Garland has taken up a lot of slack because Rubio and Sexton are out. Fully understand that. I get that he unlocks a lot of those guys offensively. Um, I get how talented he is. I'm not making that argument. I'm saying that when you're the second best player in your conference at your position, you have to make the game, period. Period. There's nothing else to it as far as I'm concerned.
4: I 100% agree. I wrote a story. I talked to Jared Allen earlier this month about being an all-star and his thoughts on it. You can read that on SI.com. I think he should have been an all-star. Um, your own Weitzman over at Fox Sports wrote a really good profile of Jared Allen And I quote tweeted it yesterday, saying, "If Jared Allen isn't an All Star, we riot." I um, am not rioting because uh, I'm a sane person, but I am on a podcast saying that he should have been an All Star. Um, (laughs) The my thing is like I knew obviously Cleveland is deserving of at least one All Star. They've been the most pleasant storyline in the in the in the season, I think you could you could definitely argue but like the reason for their success is their defense and he's their best defensive player all due respect to Evan Mobley and so everything that you said about him being the second best center that's that's good enough reason too and it's also like he's the engine of their success and you know he leads them in pretty much every advanced statistical uh statistical metric for a good reason um He's one of the best rim protectors in the league. He's one of the best finishers in the league. Uh, does so many little things that are imperceptible. Uh, I, I this isn't really a dig at Darius Garland, who I think is awesome and super fun to watch. And he's easier to appreciate for sure, especially in an all star game. I think everybody wants to see Darius Garland instead of Jared Allen. Jared Allen types don't make sense in formats like that. But I always, I just thought that, you know, we don't reward um centers who, you know, set screens and dive to the rim and catch lobs and rim run and all that. We don't really reward that and this was a perfect opportunity to do so because he's having such an excellent season. He's such a re- a, a, a humongous reason why the Cleveland Cavaliers are like leading the Eastern Conference in net rating. Like he's just he's just awesome and I wish I wish he made it. I don't do you think he's going to be the injury replacement for for KD? I hope he is. And I um I podcasted with
5: Sacklow several weeks ago. We did one about the book, but this was the podcast before that. Um we were talking about this in advance, and we were both like in lockstep, just like you and me are, about Jared Allen. And um I was saying that I I wouldn't be mad if Cleveland got two all-stars because he's so deserving. If it just means that he gets in the game, I don't care how. And I mentioned like the games in Cleveland and Zach was like, ah, I don't care about that. Um, I'm hoping that that actually is a factor here just because it, it at least increases the odds of him making the game as the replacement. He, he should have been in without needing to be an injury replacement. That, like I said, I, I more or less don't care about this sort of stuff, but this one bothers me just because, if you're going to have positions and label stuff positionally, you cannot have someone that is number two at their position in their conference and not make it not to mention that he drives a lot of what they're doing on defense. Obviously mobile is a big part of it too, but you know, I I just kind of am in shock that he was not a guy. And, And in particular, I figured he was a lock because normally it's the fans and the media that are a little bit behind as far as picking up on trends. So I figured like, Oh, when I see, um, Jared Allen ranked fourth and voting among those two groups, you know, or four and a half because he's fourth and one and fifth in the other, mm-hmm. naturally the coaches are going to know that, right. They're going to have him in that spot too. Right. And to, to not see him on the team was just, it was kind of disheartening. Cause I'm like, what are the coaches not seeing? And like, what do you think is turning this team around? It's not just Mobley. And it's certainly not just Garland. Uh, Allen has been a huge part of it, so I hope he makes it. If it's just the injury replacement, fine, but um, he really should have been on the team to begin with. And and again, I know it's not just a one to one thing with him and Garland, he deserved it more than anybody on that C- Caps team, in my opinion. And he he deserved it more than just about anybody else in the conference.
4: I agree, I think he will make it because the game is in Cleveland and it just makes a lot of sense to, to put him in there. He deserves it. I don't know if he'll ever uh make another one uh um, right that's another so, reason
5: you want to see him make it right you know
4: yeah yeah and you know i think bam MetaBio being hurt is a huge reason here there's a lot of other guys who've been hurt that that i mentioned yes. at the top of the show that have really opened doors for guys like jared allen so yeah just reward jared allen man like it's not that hard please
2: mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what so are we just in case you forgot i'm tori deal i'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion
1: What exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Grown Up Stuff Okay, do you have anything else you want to say about All-Star Reserves, Chris, or can we move on and open up the mailbag?
5: Yeah, open it up.
4: Let's go. Okay, so our first email comes in from Zach, who writes, uh, First off, huge congrats to Chris for writing an amazing book and becoming a pop culture icon. (laughs) Second, on Monday, Michael and Rohan talked about John Collins' annual complaints about touches and John's fit on a deep Atlanta team. It got me thinking, what is Collins' fit in the modern NBA? While Atlanta fans sometimes get frustrated with him, we generally love John Collins because he's a lot of fun to watch and he's a great guy. As a player, though, can you win while paying a player like John $25 million a year? On the positive side, he's a great rim runner, a good shooter with a couple simple post moves, and a solid rebounder who generally plays hard on D. On the negative side, he is not a defensive anchor. He can switch some but can't really guard perimeter players, and he has a lot of trouble creating his own shot or creating shots for others. Can a one-position player like John be a star in the modern NBA without being able to consistently create his own shot? Uh, Thank you for that. Uh, that email, Zach. Uh, Chris, um, I have a few John Collins thoughts that I'm going to say right now. And I also want to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks more broadly. They beat the Phoenix Suns on national television on Thursday night. I wrote about them on the site yesterday as this really intriguing trade deadline team that uh, I think a lot of people were expecting. Big, big, Uh, a seismic deal out of them in addition to the Cam Reddish trade because of their record. They're in 10th place coming off an Eastern Conference Finals appearance and uh, seemed ripe for a shakeup, but they've also rattled off eight wins in their last nine games. Their only loss was against the Raptors. Um, Trey Young did not play in that stretch and they barely lost. So they're just, they're humming right now and we can talk about them in a second. But real quick, like, John Collins has told me that he wants to be in the Hall of Fame multiple times. Um, pretty much every time I've interviewed him, he's, he's mentioned that to me. Uh, he is not shy about his individual ambition. He wants to be recognized as an all star. Obviously, he wants to be in positions where he can grow as a playmaker. He's, he's, he's spoken about wanting to process the game like Nikola Jokic does. Like, I think all of that is admirable. I also think that some players are stars and some players are stars in their roles. And uh, John Collins is destined for the latter. And there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think he's a perfect fit in Atlanta as their starting power forward. And as hard as that is to accept for him, like if he buys in, um, into, uh, a situation that accentu- accentuates his strengths and allows him to complement the group. Maybe he'll make an all-star team at some point because they'll be successful and they'll win a lot of games. Um, that hasn't happened this season. But yeah, like I-, I guess the way what my answer to this question is like, I'm fine paying John Collins $25 million a year. I'm fine with what is, what is he making? 125 over five. Like I'm fine with that contract If he is willing to do what they're actually paying him to do and not try to go outside that lane a little bit um, to show off other parts of his game that, frankly, I don't think he is great at. (laughs) I think he thinks he, he is a little bit better in some of those spots than he is. And he wants more touches. He wants more usage. He wants... Uh, a greater role in the playmaking and the shot creation. I just don't think that's who he is and that's fine. Um, So what what are your thoughts about John right now? And like, would you be stunned if he was traded before the deadline as well? I'd be a little bit surprised,
5: but let me ask you this because you've talked to him and I think that that I'm curious how much of this is coming from your conversations with him versus just watching him. Like, when I watch him I don't feel like I see him go so far outside of like what I think his skills are. Um is it more are you basing what you're asking kind of more off of what he talks about because I think that's interesting too if that's what it is but it kind of sounds like that to me.
4: Yeah, that's exactly right. Like when you watch John play, he'll get he'll get bogged down sometimes like you'll throw the ball, he'll like he'll hit I think he's at his best when he catches a pat, let's say, in the mid-post. They'll throw it to him Mm -hmm. early in the shot clock, and he just hits a face-up jumper. He doesn't really overthink. He doesn't even, like, he'll he'll either back his guy down, draw a foul, or turn and knock down a face-up jumper over whoever he's guarding. And when he tries to—and he doesn't do this a lot, but when he tries to, um, you know, look for cutters and survey the court and— um, really outthink himself that's when he's in tr- that's when he gets in trouble and that's when the team is not um, at its best but what I'm saying is almost exclusively about things that he's said to other reporters things that he said to me mm-hmm. about his unhappiness when the team is struggling um, is when those comments usually come out and when things are good He's like, I'm. This is my role. Like, I'm not a hundred percent happy with it, but like, I can do it. And blah blah blah. When they're losing, that's when it gets a little, a little shaky. And you saw his name in all these different trade rumors, and um, not even a part of like a trade for a superstar, just like a we are trying to kind of get rid of John Collins type of deals. And it's like, well, I like, just
5: like the Cam Reddish stuff, basically. Yeah,
4: exactly. It's like why, I, I, and it's just like why are you? unhappy when like I'm looking at other situations around the league. And if you had a usage that was 27, 28, it's like, I don't know what kind of player that is, frankly. And that's when you right. get into trouble with the contract. But like when he's next to Trey, it's just like a perfect combination when he's next to a Kung when he's next to Capella, th- like the, the situation he's in is just so ideal that it, it, it confuses me when he speaks about not being happy with it.
5: And, and, and a good defensive fit too, you know, not to mention yeah, that. Like, cause absolutely. for me, there was a time where I was kind of like not sold. I definitely, I was never completely sold on a max deal for the guy. Um, I grew to like him a lot more. And then he impressed me a lot during the playoff series against the Knicks really um, where he just, you know, he, he's, in the right spot a lot of times defensively. Like I was not super impressed with him at the beginning of his career defensively. It's hard to be impressed with anybody with that team defensively before Capella got there. Um, But he, you know, he's a pretty solid complete player as it relates to being a role player, but he's about as highly paid as you're really going to be as a role guy. You know, I I think maybe uh, Michael Porter Jr. is another guy that, you know, who has not really rounded out his game as far as creating his own shot. Um, So you can be a max guy at that level. Otto Porter had done it as well, but it's rare. Um, But also those are guys that you're really not trying to build a whole team around. And normally when you talk about guys that make the Hall of Fame, you're either a guy that you can build the whole team around or you're someone that is part of a team that has won multiple championships and you're a second, third, maybe even fourth guy from that team. Uh, There's a much better, I'll put it this way, there's a much better chance of him doing that with the Hawks and being a third, fourth guy with the Hawks, even second guy, maybe at some point, as opposed to him being the lone wolf yes. and the lone star. That that's probably not gonna happen I won't rule anything out. Um, you know, and, and also let me not be extreme with it. So, like the hall of fame might be a long shot for him, certainly, certainly in that role. <laughs> but but also like we've seen guys, and I feel like we all kind of turn up our nose, uh, reporters, fans alike. Mm -hmm. When a player basically says, I want to do more than what I'm doing. uh, And I want to be a star player and recognized as one. And we all saw Jeremy Grant do that. And then he went to the Pistons and for like two thirds of a season. I mean, arguably should have been an all-star last year. uh, Just based on like through that point in the season was playing well enough to have been one. Uh, Now his numbers cooled off. And it is interesting now because I do see a lot of teams kind of saying that they would really like to add him, or at least, you know, through background stuff and through the reports, they'd really like to add him because I think other teams still see him as, man, this would be a really great second or third option for a championship team, which is essentially what I think the Nuggets were hoping he would grow into and what they were paying him to be. But he that he doesn't want to do that. And it's, you know, I don't know. I, I can't be mad at people that have that feeling. Mm-hmm. Not everybody plays the game to want to win a ring um i'm sure people probably want to do both but the money might be more important to some people and the fame might be more important to some people i can't be mad at that like it's it's maybe not the way i think about it but we've also been kind of preoccupied by the idea that all the only reason people play this game is for the rings and that may not be the case for everybody
4: um when i did my hawk story and i went down there i talked to i remember sitting across from nick van axel and talking to him about sacrifice and how the team would need to sacrifice this season. And he was like, I don't think this quote made the story, but he was like, there's three things that players in the NBA want in this order money, minutes, and wins. <laughs> I was like, yep. okay, yep, that, that pretty much, uh, yeah. that is, that is why it is difficult to do what, um, what the Hawks are trying to do here. And it's really hard to feed everybody. And if you get everyone to buy into the winning, that is when special things happen, but you need special, and I'm not criticizing John Collins, but you need, you need um, a particular type of selflessness across the board from everyone and a buy-in. And that's just, that's just tough. Um, but once you get your money and he's gotten his money, Then that kind of goes behind. It should go behind. Um, Winning should then um, take a leap forward. And maybe it has for him. I don't, you know, he's, when they do win, he's pretty, he's content, like I said, and they've been winning. And he looks, he looks great. Like he looks like a very, he's an effective player. When he gets, he's getting open threes. He's not, he knocked a few down uh, last night against the Suns in that big win. And you saw him in the playoffs last year in a a, a, a stretch run where his usage was very low and he just made hustle plays and he grabbed offensive rebounds and he battled Joel Embiid in a seven game series as much as he could. And he made hard fouls and he just like did a lot of nitty gritty stuff that you need to win and it got him paid. So I'm I'm not like one thing. Sure. You know, one of the things I think is overlooked and and you and I have
5: talked about this, I won't belabor it, but I, you know, I was low on the Hawks coming into the season relative to pretty much everybody in part, because I kept saying, I don't know that all these young guys are going to grow the way everybody hopes they do from one year to the next. Some guys took a leap forward last year. I don't necessarily know that they're all going to do that the way everyone would like to see. And I did mention that the role thing was, was going to be important just because now they've won, but they benefited a little bit in some ways, at least at times from being banged up last year. So everybody kind of got opportunities at different points during the year, which is not, is, is not always going to be the case. I think is part of why you saw Cam Reddish get shipped off. Um, part of what really helps some of those teams you're talking about, the teams that do win and, and do succeed and do have all famers, you get big levels of sacrifice, but you also have veterans that come in that have played somewhere else before gotten their money and been a star somewhere else before. Um Hell, Iguodala is like a great example of that mm-hmm. with the Warriors, because by that point, he already knows how difficult it is to win an NBA. And he knows that it's great to have stardom and have the money that comes with that and have the, the, the cachet that comes with that. But also knowing that, like, it's really, really rare to have a shot to win a title every year um, and that you just kind of lower yourself and humble yourself um, to where you fit in with whatever the team needs. And you, you know, if you could be a jack of all trades on a team like that, like you can win titles. And uh, that's essentially what he did. Not everybody wants to do that, but certainly not every young player can deal with that. And, um, and sometimes it's something that's kind of like an acquired taste that only a veteran can really have that palate uh, that, you know, so I understand it. It's not to knock him. I haven't talked to him about that stuff like you have, but uh, this was one of the things I thought might be a problem for the Hawks. So it's not terribly surprising to hear that but now they're starting to win and so you know maybe they're a scary team like nobody wants to play them um in a playoff series or even if they did last year they don't want to now so you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with
0: everybody
4: yeah so i want to real quick like what do we think about the hawks now like i i i wrote about them yesterday um as a team that had won seven of eight that had changed its rotation post Cam Reddish's departure, um, moved Kevin Herter into the starting lineup, moved Bogdan Bogdanovich to the bench, and started to play this all-bench unit of uh, uh, Delon Wright, Lou Williams, Gallinari, Bogdanovich, and Okongwu. Okongwu has been closing games at the five with the starters, and it's they it just looked terrific like everyone's kind of sliding in the roles deandre hunters taking these incremental steps forward he's one of the best yep. on ball defenders in the nba right now if you watch him play he just is he's incredible it's great um to he was and it's like they're in 10th place i think they're still in 10th place right now um which really speaks to uh, just how bad they were earlier in the season if you win uh, eight of nine and whatever. But over those last nine games, um, they have the fourth best defense in the NBA. They have the fifth best offense, second in net rating. And you just said no one wants to play them. I just think they're so good. Like, I, I'm not really ruling anything out with this team, like anything. And am I am I crazy or should I be a little no. bit more tempered in, in how I feel?
5: No, no, no. I mean, I, I think the realization is what it is that um, I think last year proved that nobody's like looking forward to playing them. Uh, certainly not the Sixers, although maybe they feel a little <laughs> bit more comfortable with Ben Simmons not being in the mix now. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody wants to play him. I don't think that changes because of how slowly they started the year. Like, I think more realistically, they had a target on their back. Uh, They were probably feeling themselves a little bit to start the year. Again, you had the issue with roles and everything else, and which now it's kind of been openly admitted that Cam Reddish had been making it known for a while that he was going to want significant money, that he was going to want a bigger role that there was no space for. Um, So, you know, you hope that moving people out like that helps the team by itself just because it gives more space to other people that also want bigger roles, but haven't been complaining about it. Uh, but no, I mean, they, they, they certainly are capable defensively. Okongwa had been out for a huge chunk of the season, um, you know, and they, they stunk frankly on on that end of the floor when Capella wasn't there. So having him is massively important and we already know they can score and like, you know, the, the stuff that Trey young and, Other guys like him were having to kind of deal with at the beginning of the season, just adjusting to foul calls and the way that those were working with what they got rid of. Um, They were actually to me, like a pretty easy candidate to regress at least to start the season. And Mm -hmm. we definitely saw that. I think they regressed harder than I or basically anybody else imagined. Um, But this is also what they did last year at a certain point, once they got Nate McMillan. Um, So no, I, I mean, like, I think everybody needs to take notice of what they're doing. They, they absolutely are a threat. Um, and I don't know that there's a real ceiling as to what they can accomplish at this point. Uh, they also could hit a cold streak, get a cold spell, and struggle to get into the play-in. Um, but at this point, I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's no question that I think you're right to think that they could do whatever
4: and, and not
5: be that surprised by it at this point in terms of winning.
4: So... Again, I said they were, they're in 10th place. The plan, if they, you know, they're, let's see, they're four back of the six seeded Nets who are just. What does the
5: rest of their schedule look like? I'm curious about that. Let me look. I'll, I'll pull it up. You can keep talking.
4: Yeah, they, I know that they have been real home heavy over this past stretch, which I'm sure has contributed to their success. Also, not having anyone in COVID protocols has contributed to their success, but I'm pretty sure they, they got road. It, it's a, it's a messy road centric schedule going forward, or at least they have a stretch that is not very pleasant. Um, But you can look that up. But what I was going to say is like, do you feel like, honestly, like I'm looking at the standings and you have Chicago in first place, Miami, second place, Philadelphia, third place right now, as mm-hmm. we record this on Friday. It's like Miami. I think Miami is, um, You know, when they're fully healthy, I would say that they're probably maybe a little better than the Hawks, but marginally. But, like, in a seven-game series, the Chicago Bulls versus the Hawks, I'm picking the Hawks. In a seven-game series, the Sixers versus the Hawks, everybody healthy, I'm probably going the Hawks. Like, (laughs) and I'm not, like, I think that Joel Embiid's probably the best player in that series, but... Like Trey Young is Trey Young is amazing, man. Like he is, he broke the Phoenix Suns last night on national television. They were scrambling towards the end. I know that they were. Which dude wasn't even
5: a, a sure thing to play, was he? By the way, the Hawks have the fourth easiest schedule left in basketball. Oh, okay, so unless go. I'm reading this wrong, they twenty seventh. So they've got a very easy schedule relative to everybody else. So I, I mean, look, I'm not debating you or anybody about what they can accomplish at this point. Like. They, they obviously have stuff set up very well for them. Um, I'm curious to see if they do anything at the deadline. I don't think they need to, uh, quite frankly. I, I, I mean, they've obviously put themselves in a position where they're not looking to take on any real money. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they've got... For how they're playing right now, uh, they should feel really good about themselves. And then they've got a schedule that's relatively favorable coming up the rest of the way. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I'm in agreement with you.
2: Hey, everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown
1: Up Stuff, How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeartPodcasts. Podcasts.
3: It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting.
1: Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more.
3: We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time.
1: And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership.
3: We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account.
1: And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party?
3: All that plus so much more.
1: Let's learn about all of it. And then some listen to grown up stuff, how to adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Grown up stuff.
4: Okay, so you just said that the Hawks are going to win the championship. Okay, let's move on to uh, an email from Sebastian, which really ties into the John Collins conversation that we are having. But Sebastian writes, Hey, Shelby, Chris, Michael, and the rest of the crew. Now, I, first of all, I just want to say that I swear I did not edit Rohan's name out. Sebastian did not include Rohan. I'm sorry, uh, Rohan. <laughs> um, <laughs> When people talk about basketball, they always focus on the stars. I like to focus on players you can plug on any team or system, and they do their job. Who is the best role player in the league right now, and where would you guys rank Maxi Kleber in this list? I think Maxi is a great Mm -hmm. example of a player who can help every team with his skill set, and I don't see any team you couldn't play him on. Furthermore, it would be interesting to know who you guys think the best role player of all time is. Hmm. um thank you Sebastian honestly the best role player of all time is like that's a that's a tough one uh my man
5: went one sentence from saying Maxi Cleaver to (laughs) then saying best role player of all time I'm like wow my brain just got broken it was actually a really smart question Sebastian so I'm not I'm not coming at you at all but yeah that was a quick transition
4: (laughs) I I'll start with Cleaver I like Cleaver a lot um I think, yeah, you can plug him pretty much anywhere. He's one of those... I mean, he's very similar to Collins, and he's that rare 6'10". Um, I think Kleber's a better rim protector, but like 6'10", big body, who can shoot threes, who doesn't really need the ball to impact the game. Kleber's probably a little bit better defending on the wing than Collins is as well, Um but, like, also a lob threat. Not as much of a lob threat as John Collins, but also a lob threat. I love Maxi Kleber. I have, like, nothing. I think he should play more, frankly. Um, and his injury last year was a big reason why Yep. Um, the, the the Dallas Mavericks couldn't beat the Los Angeles Clippers in that playoff series. So, I like Maxi Kleber. Um, I don't, like, who's the best role player? Just, like, right now in the league i know
5: I, who my answer is i'm curious to hear yours
4: okay so i didn't think i'm, I'm not gonna i am lie like i didn't think too deeply about this when i when someone popped into my head that's the answer I'm, I'm, i chose to go with okay i don't think i don't think this is the best role player in the league but this is the player who i just like i just think is so easy to fit anywhere and will make stars better will you better not take mine Make bench units make more sense. He can play basically every position on both ends of the floor, and that player is Nick Batum for me. Okay, okay. Um, You know he's. You didn't take mine. I'm happy. Okay, good. Like he can he can switch. He can just straight up guard point guard straight up, and then switch pick and rolls onto bigs, which is really really valuable um and actually i was watching when i was writing the hawk story i was watching a, a bunch of trey isolations because trey when you switch on trey he's not as effective in the pick and roll and that's something that teams have used as as an antidote for him <clears throat> and you need the personnel to do that and the reason that the clippers have had so much success against the hawks is because when they switch batum on him batum just gives him nightmares um He's just long, he's super smart, he doesn't need the ball, he doesn't even really want the ball. Um, willing passer, like drive and kick, get off it, reads defenses, uh, makes threes. I got like I just love that's like a role player to me in today's league. Like I love Nick Batum types, and he's he's just excellent and, and critical to the clipper's success. So yes. that's I guess that's my answer. So I think yours is
5: probably more of like a he's proven it. And at this point, he's proven it with multiple teams. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Charlotte uh, tried to plug him into a role that was. Exactly. That's when he wasn't the role player.
4: Now you're you're paying him to do a lot of stuff. Yeah.
5: Right. Right. So, like, I I, I think he's like a, a tried and true version of that. My guys only played for one team and he's young. So I think the upside for him to be more than a role player is there. But it would be. Uh, I, I've asked this question before. I asked it during the finals, which obviously was an opportune time to do it.
4: Oh, but wait! I, 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 I know who it is. I, yeah, yeah,
5: of course you know who it is. Are yeah, you going no, to change
4: yours what... now? Are you going to no. change yours? <laughs> are you
5: doing that, Are you really doing that? I literally was like, "You're not going to pick my guy." Are you? Are you going to pick my guy now?
4: Come no, on. I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to pick your guy. But you're you're right in answering this question. <laughs> you yeah. win. Yeah, yeah. Mikel Bridges is like a. I mean,
5: granted he plays with a couple of guys who it probably is easier to find a prototype for that role player. Uh, Chris Paul is about as tailor-made a point guard as you're ever going to find. Devin Booker is, you know, I, I think a, a, a diet version of a Kobe type, quite frankly, as far as someone that is really digging into the mid range, hitting difficult shots from every conceivable spot can hit an outside jumper um, you know, but Mikkel Bridges has not missed a game. And has he ever His missed career. a game? His He's career? He's never I missed believe. a game. Uh, he is, a, uh, I I mean, three and D like, if you look up three and D, you might find him in your dictionary, a picture of him. Um, he cuts, he moves off the ball. He can guard multiple positions. He can guard LeBron and those types of players. Um, and it's funny because when you talked before about like, Chicago and the idea that you would take Chicago, or I'm sorry, that you would take Atlanta over Chicago without even really thinking about it, which is pretty much what you did when they played the Knicks last year at Atlanta. Um, if you add someone in, obviously this is a big if, if you add someone like a Mikel Bridges to that team, all of a sudden I think Chicago is like a very, very real title contender. Like I actually think, yep. despite the fact that Chicago has two, two and a half stars, whatever you would call it with uh, Vuce and, and Levine and, and DeRozan, you add a player like him in there, I think he actually becomes way more important than Vucevic because he gives you somebody that can guard the most unguardable types of players in the league, or at least try to, um, and still give you some offense too, and some offense that helps you from going stale, stops you from mm-hmm. going stale because he's moving so much, because he's a threat from outside, because he's going to make you pay from the corners. Um and he gets up and down in transition. I, I love Mikael Bridges' game, and I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he would fit with just about any team. Maybe he's not as talked about if he's not on Phoenix. But then again, he was a really solid player before they were a contender as well. So I, I just love Mikael Bridges' game.
4: How can you not? Uh, he's so perfect for the Suns, but at the same time, as you said, like literally put him on any team like any team and he'll play 35 minutes he'll start he'll make the starters everyone else on the floor better um the one part of his game and you, you actually did mention this um but I don't think anyone in the NBA runs the floor better than Mikhail Bridges like, so good that's the that's like when you watch them play the way he ups the tempo just by sprinting the court and forcing like he just will create a mismatch in transition by trying hard. <laughs> and then Which is wild. Yeah, and then they'll get into like CP eight and drag uh drag screen action where the defense is scrambled because Mikael Bridges decided to like sprint up the the sideline and just like drag a defender deeper than he wanted to go and create that extra bit of space. That's like the part of Mikkel Bridges where I'm just like, oh my God, this guy is just, he's perfect. Like I, I love yep. Mikel Bridges. I'm really angry at myself for not, um, sorry, Nick Batum, but, um, I would rather have Mikel Bridges. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um that was really done by me uh but no you're 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 absolutely spot on yeah michael ridges is the best he's the best role player in the league of all time i don't have a good answer and i can't even like i can't i don't know like is dennis rodman the greatest role player yeah because where do you draw that line because i i I looked at him I, i i tried to pull
5: up like Guys, and I also was trying to be honest and saying, like, OK, I've never really watched certain people play that would probably be up for this conversation. The furthest back that I was able to go, which I was kind of impressed I was able to do this, but I guess I've watched a lot of old games was like a Michael Cooper type. I mean, all the guys that I would pick would be guys that have been influential in some way to either a dynasty or a team that won multiple titles. Mm-hmm. thought about Lamar Odom. Um, Robert Ori mm-hmm. is another guy that obviously has yep. been really important. Um, and was a little bit flexible in terms of who he could guard on the other end. But I couldn't go back far enough to really say ever. But those are the guys that come to mind for me. Rodman feels like too much. Of- guys that are in the Hall of Fame for me. He's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, I, I I can't take a guy that's in the Hall of Fame and call him, like, the best role player of all time. Even, like, Manu. I, I, I can't call Manu a role player because he wasn't. You know, he was. I get that he might have been a sixth man, but he wasn't a role player. Uh, if that makes sense. And even like someone like Kukoc, Coach was like the best player coming over from overseas. Like, so he was a star player in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I have a hard time with it, but if you want to say like an Odom or someone like that, that's just kind of like a, a Jack of all trades. It was a great passer, a really difficult defender to get around a uh, good shooter and someone that, you know, I, I could accept that, but I can't take like a Rodman. I, I think he's too, arguably the best rebounder of all time i can't call somebody like that a role player
4: yeah well i mean listeners if you have a better answer than nobody uh please (laughs) email us in (laughs) at openfloormail at gmail.com openfloormail at gmail.com uh that's gonna do it for today's show thank you to our listeners thank you to you uh chris thank you shelby for producing today's show um Everybody stay safe, and everybody continue to enjoy the NBA season. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa.
2: Yeah. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is